And we're back. Thanks for joining us again. Game week six that we're talking about today. The game week of tears. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of I want to say, upsets from what we said in our segment last week, if you didn't get to check it out, um, where we discussed where we thought everybody would be placed on the table. And it's game week six, and there are some surprise outcomes in this, uh, in this game week. And this is why we love the, the Barclays Premier League. Yeah, we had four big games that we're notably going to talk about, and all four pretty much turned out exactly opposite, I think, how we both would have panned that one out, starting with the clash of the two big giants with the one that seemed that could not be brought down whatsoever, Chelsea versus Man City. The team that we all put third because we want our team to be second <laughs> That's or first. Right. That's the only acceptable way to do that table. But uh, Pep pulled one over on us all. Um, I just want to start off with the tactics, I guess. We'll go with Tuchel. Um, he started out with a 3-5-2. The team this year has been playing uh, 3-4-2-1. No, yeah, 3-4-1-2, no, sorry. And he switches it up. And, like, these big-time coaches, they always switch it up on the big games. You know, the, the Pep Guardiola curse where he puts a big change and he doesn't stay with what he sticks with and he winds up losing like the Champions League games. Um, and then Tuchel did the same thing. I think it's when managers think too much, and I also don't like it when they put in new players that haven't started the year in, and they're not fresh, they're not ready for this type of game, and that's Timo Werner. Mm-hmm. He started this game over Havertz. Um, obviously, Mason Mount injured, Pulisic injured, and he just wasn't effective. And I, I guess he wanted him for the speed to close down the press really quickly, but... It's a new formation, and things don't gel as well as you like, and you ruin the fluidity of the team when you do that. It's just something I'm against. Um, But Pep came out strong, and as Pep does, he controlled the game. They let them have the ball, and they had many chances. Yeah, I mean, look, what I found interesting when we were looking at the lineups coming out, I was actually specifically paying attention to the midfield of Chelsea because we were saying how they've done such a good job of rotation and changing that up. And this time, they actually stuck with the, all their big guns. So they started Conte, Jorginho, and Kovacic all in the middle. So I was like, wow, they're going to they're going really heavy. That's their best three midfield. That's what I was saying. And I was like, it's not going to look good for City. That's what I was thinking the whole time. You know, it started off on a really bad foot around the 20-something minute. Uh, James, Reese James, gets an ankle injury. So he's sidelined. Uh, I just looked into it a little bit ago. He's out for four to six weeks. So that was a big injury to kind of go right off the bat. You know, I think it had some influence in the game. It was just mm-hmm. a foreshadowing of things could easily topple over after this point. And Chelsea are, used, are a team that's used to having the ball. And I think with this formation and what they wanted to do, um, they wanted to kind of own the middle of the field, obviously, but also collapse on them and just make that middle of the field flooded so that it would be harder for them to move the ball around. Um, I think we really were shown as well how Marcus Alonso is not the best defender. He's great with attacking and when his team has the ball. This was probably his poorest game of the year. Um, and it and maybe, you know, Ben Chilwell will get a start next next week because Ben Chilwell is the better defender on the defensive side. And he can cover more ground on the field and be more solid. Um, but, yeah, we really messed up there. Pep, that team, 
Yeah. Still world I mean, class. Kudos, kudos. Yeah. I, I've been saying we're eventually going to see Chilwell. We're going to have a time when Marcus Alonso is not going to be able to handle his job. I'm wondering if this is the time, if this is the turnaround, or because it was a big game and the next game is not going to be as big, do they still stick with Alonso for now? Uh, like I said before, I think you got to warm up players to get to the big games. You know, everybody's match fit and, you know, they practice every day and they should be ready to be match fit. But there's that speed that's in a game that can't be trained. Like, you just have to play games in order to get better. Just playing five aside, 11 aside indoor is not going to give you that pace that you need to be at. Mm-hmm. So I think Ben Chilwell will come in, will come into the team. Uh, Pulisic probably needs another week. Uh, Mount, he still probably needs two weeks. So, you know. Do you feel like the presence of Mount and Pulisic would have changed the game? I think the presence of Mount would have changed the game just because uh, I'm a huge fan of Mount. And I think he's a playmaker, but he's also got so much hustle in him, and uh, he can pass the ball, and he he runs off the play. Um, so you would have preferred they probably could have played five in the middle if they had Mount. So right, take Werner out. I always take Werner out because they have Lukaku. They're a team that's gonna want to bounce off um, Lukaku and use the wings to get it back in the middle, and that's what they've been doing. So yeah, having a system now with the two strikers, I felt like. They weren't even existent. No, and... Not their fault, right, but like even Lukaku was pretty play. much taken out. I mean, Lukaku's not a big game player. I'll say that the whole podcast every year. Still never scored yet. You really feel so? I just don't think he's good against the big-name teams. I've seen him for Man United for so many years. Yeah, he scored a bunch of goals in Italy. That's Italy. You Like, even you see Ronaldo coming to mm-hmm. Man United now. It's still it's still fast. Like, the pace of the game in, in England is too fast. Even he is is a little slow compared to, you know, what he was. Obviously, he's 36. But the pace of the game, the defenders are better. It's harder to score in the English game. I understand where you're coming from. I feel like, obviously, this one, bad example. With the right tactics, making him sole striker, I think that is the biggest reason why Chelsea's such a good threat this year is he could change them for the big games. Well... I agree that he's good for the big games because obviously he's a big presence, he's a big name, people are going to watch him, but he's not going to score goals, like as many goals as he should. Because like, there's not a lot of strikers in the Prem that can do a little bit of both. Like he right. could be a target man, right. but he can also have long shots, he he could do a lot of different things, and I think that's what makes gives him the edge in the Prem. I actually don't know if I've ever seen him take a long shot before. Like honestly. Okay. I've never seen him fruit from outside the box. Uh, I'm saying in the in the sense of like you know how for instance like Jeko. I know or he, he he runs into Jovetic. Like the, yeah, you know he, they're all target men. Yeah, you know they're, they're yeah, only yeah, good yeah, for yeah. headers. Yeah, no, he can play with the ball at his feet now, and he now he runs up into the midfield to collect as well, which is something. He that's what I'm saying. Game. You don't get that usually with target men, so. and that's great for you know adding to his game and playing against the small teams where he'll win out and. He'll be stronger, and that team can, the Chelsea team can outplay the weaker sides. But in the big games where they're better structured and that defense is more solid, he's always struggled. And moving on, well, let's recap. Minute 53, they do the job. Gabriel Jesus, Cancelo goes to, it's almost like a shot, but it's Mm -hmm. more of a pass. It was kind of odd. Goes to Gabriel Jesus. 
He turns, makes a move, puts it in the bottom corner, and then that's the game changer, and that's all we get for the scoreline, one nothing, and that's enough to go through. It's true, and again, uh, maybe, you know, Gabriel Jesus will step up. You know, he is their only center forward left on the team, and he's been doing really well this year. He's been playing in three different positions, and uh, he's been really good for City, and this new outlook on his play style, he's willing to play everywhere he can just to get on the field, and he always has a good part, and he collects the goal. And that's all you need. And that's all you need. I wanted to say my man of the match, Jao Cancelo. I thought he was superb. Mm-hmm. He literally was like a big force, especially attacking. I mean, both sides of the ball, he was doing great, but he was extremely hard to deal with coming down the left side. I think he just created so many chances. I felt like he was even more effective than De Bruyne as far as the attacking movements. So I want to give a shout out to him. I think he was phenomenal. And that's really tough to do in that system that they go against because the wings are more flooded. And he really gave Alonso a tour of time. Question for you. So two questions, actually. Mm-hmm. One of them, looking at the formation, interesting. They had Gabriel Jesus on the right. And they actually had Phil Foden tech as their technical striker on the formation. How did you feel about that? Did you feel like that was a good move? Uh, I liked Jesus when he played on the right. I can't remember who it was against. I think it was the second game of the year. And he actually winded up scoring in that game too. Uh, he's actually a really good winger. Um, this is the second time Foden has been playing in the middle as well, like up top. Which last, is more of a false nine yeah, kind of deal. Yeah, it happened last year but at the end of the season. And I, I don't mind it. I think Foden's great. He can dribble at people. He can lay off a pass. They're not looking to put the ball in the air with this team. So they just they just play it on the ground, and they know Foden's a good finisher. So if he receives the ball in the middle of the box, he can always slot it in. And that goes with our theme that we've been talking about, Man City, is they have made that culture where they don't need the striker. Mm-hmm. And they're able to play people like Foden in the you know quote-unquote striker position, which they can make it work, clearly. My last question was... Raheem Sterling, what's going on? He's missing out. He's not coming in for a lot of minutes. This is a big game. He's a big name for them. Well, last year... Is he, he getting faded out? Last year, he, had, he didn't even play that much either. And he, he they put him in for that Champions League game, and they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think he's leaving? Should he leave? Honestly, I don't even know, because Man City's man last year was Mares, and Mares is sitting the bench. Right. It's a very odd so system to play you, for. You really just never, curious if you yeah, get the vibes, you know. I, I feel mean, like Sterling's more of an emotional player. He he likes Sterling. He has no problems with him, and obviously, I don't think Sterling has any problems with Pep. It's just maybe he's just not what the team needs right now. Maybe when the team gets a striker, Sterling will play. Yeah, look, I, I think this game showed a lot. It opened up the prem again, so now the script is flipped again. City shows that they can just rumble it out with the biggest giants there are and it doesn't matter it just depends on the game week it's not necessarily going against us saying about their longevity for the season but they're still a top four so really big uh really big game and it really shook everything up so that's a huge three points for city and again opens up the table you gotta keep them in your top three top two yeah let's jump to one of the biggest well the second biggest game i would say of this week was the manchester united game at home, Oof. losing to Villa. Oof. The goal was offside. I couldn't believe what I saw. I couldn't believe it either, but I'm used to it. I couldn't believe it. So, 
You know, Go for it. a Picasso painting. You know how like it's just a bunch of like what are they called? Polygons? The shapes? Sure, go for it. But it looks beautiful when you put it together. Yeah, and then McGuire just takes a bucket and throws it at <laughs> throws like, it at the painting. It's like a Picasso painting, the Man United attack, but jumbled up. So it doesn't look like anything. <laughs> so it's not a painting yeah, at all. It it just looks it's know, a messed up canvas. Yeah, it just looks like a messed up canvas. That's beautiful. I mean, so the, it looks like a five year old is uh, taking the issue. Care of the, the issue now and the issue has been Ole's tactics, and he's even said it. He looks for the individual quality. Everybody plays like an individual up top, or it's huffing it to Ronaldo now and, and ignoring um, the obvious pass if it's there, just to give it to him. But Mason Greenwood did not pass the ball. Many times that game. I mean, the first half it should have been done. First half we should have been up four zero. I want to mention the first minute of the game. Yeah, foreshadowed the whole game. The first minute it was like minute thirty seconds. Yeah, Bruno takes a shot from outside the box. Completely misses. Yeah. So they usually start off the game really strong, but the first half we should have been up four. But when you don't make the right decision in the last third. It costs you. And we had, I think, like 38 shots that game. I think that was like the wild stat. And um, they wind up just not putting it together. And Austin Villa had plenty of chances that game. And uh, it was something. What was 28 it? shots. 28 yeah. shots. There you go. It's crazy. And the goal was offside. The uh, De Gea's impeded as well. And What, the, the house goal? The yeah. Aston Villa? Yeah, it was offside. It wasn't because Cavani was guarding him from the inside. Yeah, but he touches De Gea and is in front of him. Well, it could be a imp- piece of his It could be impediment, but it wasn't offside because Cavani was grabbing him. They got into mm-hmm. this whole altercation. And then the camera honestly just stayed on them too because they were having like such a big dispute. And so since he was being held, you know, right next to De Gea, mm-hmm. he runs towards the near post but into the players. So actually he... he Keeps himself completely onside for the goal. Now, as far as impeding, you could make a different right. argument, but it wasn't offside. It was good. Right. It was clean. Regardless, VAR regardless, it shouldn't have come down to that. VAR should have looked at it, and they haven't been looking at anything recently. And it should have been whatever taken away. But again, it's not like Villa should have won regardless. Like, yeah, it shouldn't come down they, to that. They at should all. have won. United played terribly at home again, and Ole really needs to get his tactics together. McFred, as they call it, McTominay and Fred in the middle, is something that the fans don't like because it's too secure. You have Rafael. I don't think that was the problem. You have this is what the fans don't like. They have because you have Rafael Varane in front of them. I mean, yeah. also, sorry guys, Shaw and Maguire obviously injured that game. They had to come out. Delo, uh, Diego Delo. Delo came in to play on the left hand side. He usually plays on the right, and Lindelof came in to fill in for Maguire. Um, but the thing is, you have, like, I was, I was even watching in the game, you know, because I figured it'd be a topic to talk about on on the podcast. And Fred runs around more than McTominay. And Ole likes McTominay and Fred because of how much they work. But I was watching McTominay in the game, and he kind of just covered, like, this one space on the field. And whenever McTominay actually plays well for the team... He goes up and down the field, and like later into the match, you saw him kind of going, you kind of saw him pushing forward, and by him having that presence and running into the box, it kind of jumbled up their defense more, mm-hmm. and opened up for our team to attack better. 
But most of the game, like before that, he was just kind of roaming ahead of Varane. And come on, Varane's a world-class defender. We don't need two CDMs in front of Harry Maguire and Varane. You only need one. Like Right. Like Chelsea you could have. replace one of them with Pogba, right. I felt. Instead right. of making him a and, left wing, I think that was odd. Uh, Pogba actually plays really well as left wing, which is very odd, but he plays really good. He likes to play left center attacking mid, um, or a left center mid, and he usually gets that option, but Pogba's honestly been one of the better players on the team this year. He's been running around more than he usually does. His passing's great, obviously seven assists in six games, which is phenomenal, and two of them he didn't even get an assist in. Um... I'm not a fan of McTominay and Fred playing together. I really think you just put Fred there. Fred needs to be benched though because his pass completion is uh, lower than my test grades in college. Um, uh, damn, that's pretty low. So they could put McTominay in or Van de Beek or Matic. Matic has been excellent. Like just put him in for like the big games or like those little small games where you know it's going to be aggressive in the middle. Matic is like that Sunday league dad that you put in because you know awesome. he's going to do his job. He holds the ball. He's so. Like, he's like a Berbatov midfielder. He's slow with the ball, but he looks very graceful, and he finds the open spot pocket to run into, and he gives the pass. McTominay's scared to give a forward pass. He he just gives the simple pass, or he gives, like, this this low-weighted pass, and it does nothing for the team. No. At, least, at least Fred... When he gives a pass, it might not, it might not get to you, but at least it goes forward. <laughs> okay, listen, you're you're putting a lot of pressure on McTominay. Let me direct you a little bit. Yeah, how about the other M on the team, McGuire, man? How about that pass? Like, what happened with him this game? You feel like that was a big deal as no, well? I don't, I don't. He think almost so. gave up a whole goal. Yeah, but that it happens. Or two, that or happens. Three. But that happens. Uh, for me, he didn't look that confident. I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, so now, I'm not putting the whole no, thing no, on him, no. but... No, I mean... That, I feel like that was way more glaring. I mean, McGuire does that at least three times a season, honestly. So, so he just like, needs to use them up? Yeah. In I'm, one game? I'm glad, I'm glad. He, he already got, three he already in got a couple. He already got a couple done. Um, but he's injured. He'll be out for a little bit. I, um, I agree with you with Greenwood's performance. I oh, felt Greenwood like... Greenwood was terrible. It was, it was a typical inexperienced performance like he's never like that i don't know why i don't know it just i felt like it just showed the inexperience you know like he wasn't able to identify the play as it was developing so he did what he knew best which was just make sure this thing goes on target right like he didn't look up to see where everybody was there was a play where like ronaldo went opposite of him so he could have either back passed it or tried to do something different and he was like, he just, as soon as he couldn't see anybody, he just looked straight down. Yep. And he was like, how am I going to strike this as right. hard as possible? Probably did that like three times. So it's not necessarily selfish. I just think he's, his inexperience was showing that game. Definitely. Definitely. You could say that. Um, definitely. Bruno was giving him, giving him an earful because how many times are you going to make the same mistake? Like so many times so quickly, like when I'm playing, like if we're on the field, right? And you know, I missed the opportunity to pass you the ball, and I waste an attempt. You try and fix it the second time. Uh, maybe I'll try and take a shot, but then yeah, okay. But you know, you right, put your really, head up, you look yeah, for the option. I, I, my bad, my bad, right? But then you do it again. All right, my bad. I'm a jerk off, and then you give it. You know what I mean? How many times are you gonna make the same mistake? You're just looking like an ass out there. Yeah. Can we go to my favorite part? You sure? All right, PK. Oh, God. So, the irony is, the man who scores 
gets a handball in the box for his team. Yeah. So that's Courtney House. And Bruno's chosen to take it. Right? He is the penalty kick kicker. No, that is a Oh, he yeah. is. He, he is, is the originally kick, set. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, Bruno Armstrong. I mean, uh, Bruno Little Einsteins. I mean, Bruno Fernandez. Did you see Emiliano Martinez? He wanted. See, there's like the whole was thing. amazing. There's this whole thing going on. He actually. He's the man. <laughs> he told Cristiano Ronaldo to take the PK. I kept. I, I watched yeah. it three times yeah. just to, to see, see how dance. balls. No. To see how ballsy he was, because I saw it, I, I saw it like the first time, super brief, because there's so much going mm-hmm. on. I saw him pointing at Ronaldo, so I was like, "All right, they're probably blowing it up because he pointed his direction, mm-hmm. so they're gonna say something." But if you watch it for like a whole minute straight, he like is kept asking Ronaldo over and over again, like, "Take it, take it. I want you to take right. it." He just kept saying that, like, to the point where Fred was pushing him out of the way. They were telling him to stop talking. Bruno kept his head down because, like, yeah, a lot of players, it's all it's all mind game. Yeah, like he's, a, a lot he's of players around Ronaldo. Uh, a lot of players were around Bruno, but um, Martinez actually wanted Ronaldo to take it because he considers him the best player in the world. So he wanted to be able to save that penalty. I thought it was just mind game. Like he's doing that on purpose because he knows Bruno's going to take it. So he wants to get in Bruno's head. No, he just really wanted Ronaldo to take it. Okay, because I. But thought, obviously, that still gets in Bruno's head because yeah, Bruno it's has like, to score the penalty. Because it's like he's reminding Bruno the best player in the world is not taking it. Don't miss. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. It's definitely. I mean, it's definitely. Still I think a both mind game thing. It's definitely could have easily been. Thing. Um. Yeah, Bruno misses it. He's missed, I think, only two out of like twenty-five. So he's still gonna take them. Like it's not even a. It's not even a question. Elon Musk was really proud like, of him. Yeah, it wasn't that, that high. That was a SpaceX. It wasn't higher than Sergio Ramos's. It was pretty high. Listen, it was just hit with a lot of power. There was a lot of anger behind that kick. But he was crying after the game, too, because he knows how much it meant to the team. Yeah, listen, I mean, you know, it's it one sucks. kick. I get it. I understand. But I only have real one question here, mm-hmm. which is this is 11 games. The last 11 games, only five have been won. By United. Don't forget. This is all competition. Okay. Mm-hmm. This includes losing to Young Boys. Yeah. Two right? home losses in a row. How you feel about Ole? Not opening the discussion. Mm-hmm. I'm not the person to be like, as soon as something goes bad, throw the manager out. But how do you feel? Like, is this saying something? Is this just a hump? Is it the players? Is it needs well, development? I always thought we needed a center defense midfielder more than a right wing. Um, obviously you bought Sancho and it's kind of helped because he gave Rashford the time to do his surgery. And, you know, with, if Martial was going to start on that team, it'd probably only look worse. Um, we definitely needed a CDM. I really don't like having two CDMs. So you think it's a player selection? No, it's an Ole thing too. I mean, that's all an Ole thing. You know, he decided to go for the Sancho, which I like, obviously. Which he's not even using correctly. I mean... He's got Some would argue. He's on the wing. That's correct. Some would argue. It's it's on the wing. There's not much he can do right now. I mean, the way his the way his offensive tactics are, it, it needs to change. In my opinion, is he a good coach? Yeah. I mean, I can't take the United job and make him do well, right? Let's just talk realistic. It's so right? like wishy washy. Like you can see them play they they beat City like five times out of the last six times they play them. No, I'm just saying. But then they go ahead and lose to these weaker teams. I think he is a good coach. 
I don't think you can take that away from him because it's been so long. Okay, he has a good longevity and consistency, right? I just don't think he's he's nowhere near the next level, which kind of has been, you know, brushed off. Like, you know, it's been under the sheets of like, all right, well, you know, we're still winning and we got Ronaldo and stuff. So clearly he's good. I think it's just showing now that his tactics aren't in depth. Yeah, he's you know no, I mean? he's no, he's no Pep, he's no Tuchel, he's no Klopp. He doesn't have a system. Like, when you look at other teams, when you look at those teams, you can you can tell, okay, this is what they're trying to do. And not every game you watch United, you can't really tell what they're trying to do when they go up front. Like, there's no real connection from the back to the front. Ole's a good manager. He's good at managing the players. He's not a good coach. He's not uh, a technician, a tactical technician. And he's he said that. He's like, I'm more of a manager. Like, the other I guys... Think- Ole getting sacked wouldn't be because Ole is terrible. It would be because the results aren't right. We can't go to that next right. level. No, yeah, I agree. There's, you know, there's, I don't think he can bring the team to that next level. But so I think it's inevitable of him eventually being sacked. Maybe even by the end of the year. I don't think he'll be sacked by the end of the year. I I think they'll keep him. I think they're dedicated to the project. Um. So yeah. So more to come. More to look for. And we'll see where that goes, but yeah, you just what a huge upset. Needs to get it together. Yeah, it's a big three points lost. Yeah. Could have put us top of the league. Good to Aston Villa, man. Yeah. Now to the third game, Liverpool-Brentford. Another one that this really awesome went game. odd. Really yeah. went odd. So, oof. Was it odd, though? It was. I, I wasn't happy. I mean, look. I mean, we're yeah. top of the table. Great. You By know? one point now. By one point. Do we... Should we walk away with three points? Of course, you should always walk away with three points when you're firsting a newly developing team, right? Could have walked away with zero points. The thing with me, though, is when I was watching the Liverpool game, all three goals, not taking any, no discredit. You know, Brentford deserved the full point. Mm-hmm. They even had us for a sec, for sure, for three different times, three right. different times. But all their goals were just terrible defending, man. Like, there wasn't, it wasn't like a clear-cut chance. You know, it wasn't like last week where Tony just kind of annihilated everybody mm-hmm. and then Boimo was in the back and just tapped it in after. It was like a mess. Like, you know, the ball's going across the box or it's in the box and one of them shoots it against the crossbar and then the deflection and blah, 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 blah. It's not saying it was luck. It was just saying, like, our defense just looked lost. Yeah, so that's what something I was going to bring up to you. Um, when you're winning titles and you're really gaining those points, that would never happen to you. Right. Those Ever. three goals. Yeah. And there was like... And three times. Seven chances where they could have scored. There was like seven chances where you guys could have scored. Right. But both goals came from that side, the right-hand side, Trent's side. Two two goals came from Trent's side. The first, though, I think the first one, it went across from the left to the middle, to the back right again. So that's kind of everybody's fault because it literally went across the box. Okay. Are you And then the third goal, here? yeah, the okay. third goal was again at the, that back post. Trent's not a good defender. Look. Klopp he, fights he's, for he, it. He's, he's a great outside back. His attacking is clearly way better than his defending, right? There's plenty of better right-back defenders in the league. 
that's fine. As far as attacking is concerned, obviously he has that layer, his crossing, etc. The point you're making, I think, is valid, just not necessarily for this game, because it's still just concerning of that they people don't know how to times. mark in the middle. Right. Would you... There, would was, you... there was a time... One, so, actually, one of the goals... So, the second goal... Mm-hmm. The first and the second were a Fabinho problem and a Van Dyke problem. I think it was the first one... Where he gets the cross when he does the low ball cross and it touches like three Brentford players to get to the last player. Yeah, that's the first one. Yeah, well, Robertson didn't close down fast enough. You kind of they all didn't yeah. do their job. Yeah. It went through three people. Yeah, right. So that's already a problem. So I don't. It didn't matter what side it came through. It was just a matter right. of three people didn't even know where their guy was. Then the second one, I was like floored because so he shoots it against the crossbar. It comes back out. Then. Azure, Ayer, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. he goes to head the ball. He heads the ball in front of VVD, right? Two problems with it. One, I felt like pre-injury VVD would put his body in on that. He'd be in your face so fast, you wouldn't even think about jumping to hit that ball. Second, the second problem was Fabinho got to the ball even faster than VVD because Fabinho reacted as what VVD should have done. And he actually impeded his ability, uh, Van Dyke's ability, to clear it. So they kind of knocked into each mm-hmm. other, and then the ball just went over both of them. So it was a little bit of two, right? So it's Fabinho's fault for going for it and missing and impeding him, but it's Van Dyke's fault for he's just like, he's not like that force right now. Like, Do you think Matip has been the better center back so right far. now, yeah. I mean, like we were saying, you know, they haven't necessarily been tested until pretty much now. You know, just so you know, they've only scored, they've only conceded one goal before this game. That was in all the game. Premier League games so far, right? Mm-hmm. So now they got three, which is crazy, right? So, you know, that says a lot about the competition, you know, and how they're holding up as a as a group. And I was telling you that, you know, you were asking me about Van Dyke and is he different after the injury? And it shows. I mean, I wasn't confident at all. And I felt like if it was the season before when he wasn't injured, psh, I wouldn't care if the ball's in the air. I mean, like Van Dyke is going to obliterate right. whoever's there. He's clearly taller than everybody. There's no reason it even gets touched by anybody's forehead. Now let's move to the front of the team. Yeah. Go with uh, Salah. Yeah. Tell me about him. 100th goal. 100th goal, man. 100th goal. Congrats to Salah. He did the 100th goal of Liverpool, which is fantastic. He's he's done it the fastest of any Liverpool player. It's in 151 games. So he beats uh, Roger Hunt, legend. He beats his record of 152 games. So he beats it by one game, which is freaking awesome for him. And just to give you an idea, Ian Rush is our leading scorer of all time. He beat him out too. And Ian Rush did it in 168 games. So, wow. and last week, Mane got his 100th. So, Mane got his 100th last week. Salah got it this week. Like I said, Salah in 151. Mane did it in 224. So, in 73 less games. That's well, incredible. Mane played with a little weaker of a team, right? Came. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say. But it wasn't, like, too far apart or right. anything like that. I mean, 73 games is two almost seasons. two seasons. Yeah. So, you know. 
Um, but either way, it just shows like the dominance in Salah's playing. You know, yeah. He just like, no matter if you think he's as powerful or as effective, he's just consistent. Like do no matter you, how it goes in the back of the net, he still does it. Do you think he's better than say you know people that are in the top ten? Uh, goals list for strikers in the Premier League. Do you think he should be up there? Like, do you in do I time think... would you put would you put him at that same level as say, uh, Wayne Rooney or Thierry Henry or? I think that's a hard question, right? I mean, stat wise, that's going to be its own thing because mm-hmm. you know stats are just stats. It doesn't matter. What but stat you have wise, to I don't say. think anybody could be Henry. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they might hold their own caliber. Maybe who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I. The whole Sala thing is kind of weird. I feel like he exploded so fast in the beginning that his expectation is like through the roof and it's so high and it's just not possible to hit that expectation all the time. So because he's not, he's just viewed as not as effective. Well, he's been almost golden boot winner like four times in a row. Well, that's what I'm saying. At the end of the season, when you collect the numbers, you're like, he's still great. No one's saying he's not good. But for instance... There's been plenty of situations as seasons go by that the first year he would always find an answer. And then now he's not. I mean, it could be at one point it was a confidence thing, but there's another point you could say that teams now can prepare for him. Like that goal with Spurs when he just like literally went through every Spurs defender. You never seen that again, you know? Right. Now it's more technical, like the Chelsea goal, like that long shot, right? It's different. Like, he was more of a dribbler before, where it's like he could just annihilate any one-on-one. Now he's more playing with the team and just making sure it's a team goal. Yeah, he kind of gets the ball out faster now. He doesn't really dribble as much. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I feel like people perceive power and like authority as a winger when you're a dribbler. And if you're not, you're, you know, you're giving away all of that effect. So I think it's just a change in his game. So, you know, it, it takes away from the consistency thought of him being like a top 10. Okay, so we're going to move on to Jota. Now, um, Firmino was out this game, decided to play with Jota. How did you like it? Good. I think it was a good move. Again, I always say Jota always finds a way to give us a goal. Do you like the dynamic of the team better with Jota now than Firmino? I want to say yes, but I think it's also situational. I think depending how you want to set up your plays, like if you want to solely just rely on somebody to give you a goal, then Jota's your man. But if you want to build up play and make sure the wingers are the ones that are going to be fed the ball, then Firmino's your guy. So I think it just depends on playing style. And that uh, that midfield three that you guys have, that's the best midfield three, I think, for your team. With Curtis Jones? I think it was Henderson, Curtis Jones, and, and Fabinho. Fabinho. I think it just flows better than I having agree. Thiago there, which is crazy because Thiago, obviously, yeah, champ- class, Champions right? League winner, world-class player. I liked Curtis Jones in that position. He pushes up more. Obviously, great goal. He's not His afraid, goal he's is not afraid crazy. to shoot outside. Yeah. And you just don't get that goal intensity. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't get that <laughs> intensity from Thiago. Thiago's like classy. Right. He, he hustles. He passes the ball. He looks like he can make some lemonade and then give you a nice pass. At the yeah. Same time. He, he doesn't really, he doesn't overexert himself in that, in that position for 
uh, Klopp. He doesn't do something super special. It just, he doesn't bring intensity, really. And that's what I was saying. You know, uh, when Harvey Elliott got injured, you know, when we were playing Harvey Elliott, I was telling you that I feel like we were missing intensity and Henderson was missed. But, you know, Curtis Jones, too, we... we, We kind of took him for granted. You know, he's really that youngster that he's just, he's fantastic. I feel like instead of having Tiago there to play that long ball or to play that side ball, Van Dyke was doing that before he was even on the team. So I kind of feel like it's a necessary step. Like whenever somebody on Man United passes it to McTominay, just unnecessary the next pass. It could have been done already. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I actually was under the impression they were going to use Thiago as an attacking midfielder. That's what I thought when you guys got him. You know, that would have made a lot of sense. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that's not in the league. Like that kind of lax no. attacking midfielder yeah, that sets he's things up. Yeah, also a great dribbler. Probably one of the best dribblers in the league. And he hasn't even been able to show that. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll start using him like that. I have no idea. But I'd hope so. I would like to see that. But yeah, long story short, I mean... Whew, we gave up three times more goals in one game than we did in six. I was happy five, that you so. guys tied because, like I said, you guys are top of the table. One point, one, one point. One point. One point. One point. And yes, and the final clash, though the final big clash, was the London Derby. North London Derby, the right? North That's London what they Derby. Call it. Yep. I don't really pay attention to those scrub teams. <laughs> we don't. We don't like to acknowledge them. Yeah, but let's bring up the real garbage. Now you know how like. The other episode, I told you, I never want to hear you say anything bad about De Gea again. I never want to hear you say anything good about Deli Ali or him coming back. <laughs> Ever again? Ever again. I'm never going to compliment him again. I'm the sorry. The man is pure garbage. Yeah, he's rough. When Skippy McDoodle comes on in the 78th <laughs> minute and looks at you like, you going to put me on now for Deli Ali? <laughs> That's how you know it's <laughs> ruined. Even Skip was like, dude, are you sure? <laughs> Like, now you want to do this? The guy is... Yeah. It's rough. You should go back to MK Dons. I don't even think they would take him. They wouldn't take him. You should just do his little, you know, monocle hand movement thing. (laughs) Yeah, the celebration. Look at that bullshit that he put on the field. (laughs) Yeah, listen, man. It was was just shambles for the whole team. Spurs look like they... How ironic, right? I've never seen a Spurs team... Look like that on a North London Derby. They yeah. look like they didn't want to be like it was a like they were versing I don't know some League Two team. Like there was no intensity to them. Even when Son celebrated his goal in the sixty sixty fifth minute, whatever it was, he just looked. He looked like. You ever watch a Squid Game show? All right, so the, this is a new show that came out. Um, it's pretty popular. It's like the most popular show on Netflix right now, probably ever of all time. So the the emotion, like in the in the show, it's about gamblers. So he wins, he wins the horse track betting race, and he gets really hyped. But everybody else around him lost, so everybody else is sad. And that's what Sun looked like during when he scored. Like, <laughs> he just looked all he by was himself, hype up the crowd. Everybody's like, no, no, the no. The crowd no, was leaving by the thirty fifth minute. They're like, we the never, guys didn't even show up. We never even seen this before. Yeah, it's At, rough, man. Yeah. It's rough. I feel bad for Spurs. Fans. I mean, you don't realize how big of an impact like the derbies really are. Yeah, and like when Nuno Espirito Santos is like your fifth choice coach, and he's the only one that wants to come to the club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Let's go to the opposite side of the coin, which is great performance by Arsenal. Ooh. Finally get to compliment them after six games. So I mean, we good. did kind of compliment them and last two. They won 1-0, 1-0. Yeah, but they weren't even But this, good they wins. looked good. Yeah, this is real goals. This is legit. This is real. It's. I always like to see Arsenal win because, again, when I watched soccer, they were a threat. And they were like this huge team and played really well. And... Um, it's always good to see them win because there's always even like a little piece of me that hopes that they get to like that top four area again, that top three area, and they start pushing for a title. Obviously, need a lot of time to do that, but the team that they've built now looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, it's been the same team. We just weren't convinced whatsoever. The last three now. games has been the same team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we weren't convinced until now. And shout out to the Arsenal Academy yeah, for Saka having Smith two Rowe. solid players. Ooh. Yeah. they. I mean, this was Smith Rowe's possibly best game. I mean, when he was interviewed, he said he felt like it was his best yeah. game. He was superb. Saka was like everywhere like usual. Aubameyang, Commit, finally back. Of back. The season? Finally back. Come well. Last time you say finally back to Delhi Alley, and look what happened. <laughs> so I mean, that's cool with me. As long as I don't say that about Liverpool players, I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, Aubameyang last year was rough for him. Yeah, I think Aubameyang just waits for me not to pick him first round in fantasy, and then he plays. I well. mean, this year you pick Mason Mount, and look what he's at. <laughs> so I'm going to just stop doing the first round. <laughs> but he, if he can become that consistent goal scorer that Arsenal had three years ago. And they tied for the Golden Boot, and they really he really carried that team to, I believe it was like fifth or sixth place, so that they secured Europa Champions League. I think with this team, they could get back in that area. And that's why, you know, in my top ten, I had them somewhere around that area, clinching it back. I can't remember, honestly. But the defense looked good. Aaron Ramsdale is definitely number one. Tomiyasu was good. This was like the lineup of... Partey was phenomenal. Of of the new signings, right? Yeah, I mean, the, uh, Partey barely played last year, too. And so, like... This We're is finally just, waiting for him. Yeah, you know, he's been injured, and now you're seeing all this come together. Jaka looked comfortable. Just get Jaka off, please. He looked comfortable with Partey. I don't want to look at him anymore. I mean, I understand. Just get rid of him. But he looked comfortable. The team looks good. The team looks good. Yeah. No, they look wonderful. And uh, I was even looking at just the average age because I was like, wow, the two academy players starting. You have Odegaard now. He's a young guy. How, what is the average age? So 24? it's early 20s. Yeah. So so Smith Rowe's 21. Saka is 20. And Odegaard is 22. And that's your three straight across. And then your back line is 22, 23, 23, 24. Wow. That's young, man. That's young. Team for the future. Obviously, your CDMs are older. Uh, 28, I think, is Party, and 29, Jaka, and then in his 30s is Aubameyang. So they're a future invincible team is what you're telling me. I mean, maybe. I think that's really too, yeah, that's that way, way too high. Fun. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping they won one game, dude. Yeah, Can you relax? I, I, was, I was hoping you didn't say maybe, but you, you might have <laughs> saying it. Well, you got me excited. <laughs> For Arsenal be an invincible team? <laughs> Did you see Aubameyang celebration? No, I didn't. So, he slid uh, towards Oh, yes, yes, I did. Yeah, he did, like, the whole Thierry Henry thing. Yeah, there was also that extra line on the ground. 
It's from his shoe, but you know. <laughs> Who knows where that's from? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just found that ironic. You know, uh, he's like trying to be their prolific goal scorer. I mean, he's got to be. I found it weird because I think it was last season. I was watching like an interview with like Ian Wright, um, you know, club legend. He was like super hyping Aubameyang. He was super hyping. What him. else was there to hype on that team? No, just in, like I was just like so surprised at the caliber of what he was saying. You know, like he was like deeming him as like that next iconic figure, and he's going to be an Arsenal legend. I don't know. I feel like for me, like the reason I bring this up is because, you know, celebration, it looks like Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry is the icon of that team. It's like, dude, he's not that kind of caliber. Well, I think he was that kind of caliber. Just imagine, you know, it's 2000, I think, 15, 16. If he did his whole career. You open up that that FIFA where he was on BVB. Yeah, yeah. Look, if he did his whole career, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say, you know. The impact he's, he's had for Arsenal, do you think he's an icon for them? Not yet, but he's had two, I think, had two big years for them. But then they fell off. But again, you're looking at, the, he didn't, he's not joining a team that, you know, is situated. He's joining a team that was in super transition. You know what I mean? And they they would climb and they, they, they'd fall way, high, way lower I than guess how we, much I, they climbed. I guess you that's a fair I mean? point. I guess that's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we shall see what else they bring. I mean... You know, he came point, to the club with the hair, and now he has a, a the, the hairline is wild. Like that's like the decline that's of what Arsenal. Happens. Like his hairline is the decline of Arsenal. Like I mean, it could be a LeBron James thing. The when, farther the hairline goes, the better he gets. Who knows? It's definitely not. <laughs> it's not the problem at all. It's, it's reached the half of his head. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, look, they flipped the script, and Arsenal went from the worst start to improving, and Spurs went from the best start to getting way worse. Yeah, they they're practically even. They flip positions. One started at the top first. The other one started at the bottom. Literally, they're just going to meet in the middle. They're the the going to hang they out met right in the there. middle. One's about, one slightly above the other. Nine and ten. <laughs> they're going to hang out there for yeah, the rest of the season. Nuno has a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Uh, just some special notions to three players of this week that we didn't talk about in the games. On his debut, uh, Cornet from Burnley. Great goal. And he helped them solidify one point, uh, 2-2 game. Uh, I want to give a shout to Mikel Antonio. Uh, I think pff, I, I doubted him so much. And he's coming back from an injury and still scores. When he plays, he scores. I love it. Last year, he just he would score two goals, too, get injured. Come back a month later, score two goals, get injured. That's what he does. If he doesn't get injured, he can't score again. So he has to do that. In the well, middle. you saw he played two games in a row. He scored a lot, and then he's like, ah, "I gotta get a red he card." He used all the power. He got a red card. <laughs> they came back. He scored. He was he played too many games in a row. He uses the power of the red card. <laughs> That's that was smart by him. Honestly, he knew he needed a break. That's fair. He's like the coach won't get me off. I'm scoring too much. <laughs> Just give me a red card, please. And I'm not injured. I can't fake an injury. So give me a red card. <laughs> do you want me to be the golden boot or what? There you go. And then last mention I want to do is Raul Jimenez for finally uh, getting his goal after almost a year. Yeah, since his head injury. Yeah. Um, so this is very huge. Uh, big smiles on everybody's face. I'm sure they all want to oh, see yeah. him score again. The Wolves needed a boost in the past few weeks. He definitely needed that. His, <laughs> his celebration was filled with emotion. Oh, for sure. Uh, that must have been so much weight coming off his back. Yeah, he's been working on that pretty hard. And he's showing quality this year. And I'm pretty sure. Can I say he's back? You can say 
he's back. Because usually when you start scoring goals, you keep him coming. Okay. We'll say he's back. Yeah. You're allowed to say he's back. All right, cool. Definitely yeah. not Deli Not Deli Ali. We're not talking about him anymore. Kane needs to score, too. Kane needs to do a lot more. A lot more. He's got zero. A lot more. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what everything brings. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And this is our recap for Game Week 6. Thank you.